All right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the spooky virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's your October been so far? Any anything scary happened? No. No, so far, I mean, I don't know why this October is feeling like extra Octobery to me. I think part of it is that now I've always lived either in the middle of the woods where I grew up or in apartments. So this is like the first year that we are going to get trick-or-treaters. We're still in an apartment, but we're on like the ground floor. And so... You know, I live in an area that has a ton of kids, so we're probably going to be having a ton of trick-or-treaters, and I am giddy about it. I am so excited. I bought costumes for myself and for Pat. (laughs) I'm inviting everyone I know over to help hand out candy. I bought uh, $60 worth of candy from Costco. (laughs) I am ready to go. I bet you, just because I I would think Uh that you're going to run out of candy. I know. That is my greatest fear. Yeah. And, and it's you bought a ton of candy because I saw how much candy you have. But I still mm-hmm. think there's so many kids, you will run out. Which is not the worst yeah. thing. I guess it's... I mean, when I run out, because our friends um, who live around the corner, are their anniversary is Halloween. Uh, and so they always do like a, a meatball party. <laughs> the there's a lot going on there. Yeah, so I think at the end of the, so I guess when the candy runs out, it's time for meatballs and we'll all just leave the house, but. What's the significance of meatballs and their anniversary? Is it is it safe know. for this podcast? <laughs> I think it's just that one of them is Italian. And so, I mean, they always do kind of what I'm doing, which is like an open house party. They have like a gorgeous townhouse. Um And so they always have like an open house party all day because here in Park Slope, we have like the costume parade. But I don't know if that's happening this year, but either way. And a lot of people come from like other neighborhoods to come here to trick or treat just because it's like, you know, I think it's like a thing to do. And um, so they always have like an open house, people coming and going. And honestly, it's I think that just like meatballs are easy to eat on the fly and they're easy to like just keep hot. You just put them in a crock pot and then like you, it's not like a sit down meal because there's a ton of, like you'll probably come that night and there's like going to be a ton of people there. So, oh, I, I know these friends, right? Wait, do, it's Peter and Richie. You know, that, them. I was, that's the kind of I didn't want to say their names. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was I assume that it was Peter and Richie. <laughs> <laughs> now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the yeah, the meatballs are just, I think a nod to peter's heritage also it it, this is actually a cute story because it was a surprise wedding because it was right around the time of marriage equality when that passed and all of my (laughs) gay friends i would meet them and their partners and they'd be like if you fucking bring up marriage equality right now because what happened basically is like they went from not really having to think about getting married to then everyone they meet being like well now are you two gonna get married it's just like a very stressful big deal conversation that you don't want to just have just because it's like oh this law was passed what do you think so 
I think they had wanted to do it for a while. And for some reason on Halloween, Peter got a marriage license and then called Richie over <laughs> to their neighbor's house and their neighbors were witnesses and they just got married. Oh, that's quickly, sweet. So. I did not know that story. Yeah, it's really sweet. So now every Halloween, it's that's their that's their anniversary. But um, and they've been together now for I mean, they've been together for over like 30 years for a long time. Yeah. Even before that. Yeah, so that's well, fun. Maybe yeah, I'll like get a 90s. maybe I'll get a hot meatball on Halloween. <laughs> You're gonna stuff yourself with candy all day and top it off with some meat and you know marinara it. sauce. You know it. Well, I, 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 the reason I said you're going to run out of candy is because I'm going to be eating it instead <laughs> of giving it out. I know. I can't. It's. I know that I am going to run out of candy, and I think I need to make peace with that fact. But maybe yeah. I'll post a picture on uh, the Instagram of the amount of candy I have so you guys can see like the level of psychopathy that I'm like, no, I can't. I can't run out. Anyway, so I love Halloween. This October has been great. Extra spooky. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm I'm de- definitely doing more horror-oriented stuff than I usually do because I'm not a big mm-hmm. horror fan. Right. But for some reason, I, I'm going all in on this Shocktober situation. Mm-hmm. Did you see what Peacock is calling their October? No. Peacocktober. <laughs> Of course. I should have said that because I would have made that stupid joke. (laughs) I was I was going to say that, but then I was like, that's too dumb. (laughs) Nope. Speaking of Cocktober, Uh (laughs) we have a Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have our Patreon. Everybody knows about it by now. If you don't go check it out. Learning the Tropes Patreon. But we have our patrons who... Mm -hmm have donated and supported us and it was way more than we expected Mm -hmm. and one of the benefits is that you get a shout out on a book episode so we're gonna shout out some of our patrons we're doing 10 at a time because we have just so many and we want everybody to get a little bit of the spotlight so I, Aaron, do you have these up or should yeah. I just, okay, cool. Perfect. So I'm going to start out with our, with our, the first of this episode, Amanda O. Amanda O, thank you for your support. And then I have Kate Karn. And then Abby Riley. From the UK. Very exciting. International now. Yes. Allison Cohen. Heather Lynn. Jen Haas. Taylor Sonarski. Oh, I think I might have said that right. Son- not Sonarski? Sonarski? Yeah. Sonarski? Did I give put an R in there? You put an A. Sonarski. And an R. Yeah, but I think it's fine. Taylor Sonarski. Okay, so I did not, so I could not have said it more wrong. <laughs> Taylor, no, this is not anything with you. Uh, you, you guys are going to run into this. We, we, I can't pronounce names of people's in book, people's, people's in books. Uh, I can't speak, I guess. I can't pronounce people in books. And so I really trying with people's names because obviously it means a lot to us. Mm -hmm. And we and a name is important. It's their name. You know, when people call me Clinton Gumberg, I don't like it, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm giving them five bucks. So we have said also we will we will reach out you out if, if I say your name wrong. 
And if Aaron says your name wrong, too. But mostly me. Yeah. If anyone says your name wrong, email us with a helpful pronunciation guide, if you'd be so kind, and we will re-shout you out. Yes. Because it has to do with us not being able to say it and nothing, obviously, wrong with anyone's name. So next we have um, Saba. And then Rachel Fleming May. And Stephanie. Just Stephanie. Just Stephanie. Just Stephanie. Thank you all. Thank you, everybody else who has joined. And if you haven't heard your name yet, you will hear your name. We're just spreading it out. So we're not just dumping everybody's name at the beginning of an episode. Mm-hmm. We want everybody to get their spotlight. So thank you so much, everybody who joined and everybody who will join. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means a lot. We really appreciate it. We're have like some fun things are coming up right now we're just going through bake off it's something that nobody asked us to do but we took the mantle ourselves to recap bake off just because we love that show so much and um so if you are into bake off then this might you might enjoy that patreon only feed but we have other things coming up that are more romance centric that i think will be really fun as well so it's a good time to join um, and you can find us by just going to patreon.com and searching for Learning the Tropes. And there we are. Absolutely. So, Aaron, <laughs> what what book did we read to kick off spooky? What I guess what, what would we call this? What would we call this month? Because we're doing all witches. Witchtober? No. We're, no, do it. It's <laughs> sometimes the simplest is the best. Witchtober. So it's we're doing witch Witchtober. Mm-hmm. And what's our first book in Witchtober? So it is Witch Please, the first book in the Fix It Witches series by Anna Gere. It only came out last month, so it came out on September 7th. For some reason, this season, we've seen a ton of witch books coming out. And so that's why we're doing basically this month, we're doing three new witch books. Because I wanted to read them all, and I figured, why not read them for the podcast? They're all contemporaries, too. Uh-huh. They're all contemporaries, yeah. So, yeah. And, um, you, and you're a witch. Me? I guess. You, you, don't, you don't identify completely as a witch. I think it's very complicated, you know? And I think it's kind of like, I guess so, yeah. If you need me to put down a religion, I would say witch. And I do spend a lot of time talking about, like, uh, <laughs> crystals and astrology and tarot and things like that, like a magic in general. But okay, so yeah. you're, you're t- it's a tenuous that you're not you don't want to fully commit you, you don't want to fully say that you are a witch because you don't think you have bona fides or you don't want to dis like anybody you, your religion is is personal. I don't know. I mean, it is interesting because it's like very rarely do I have to claim a religion <laughs> for yeah, any anymore, reason. right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really come up. And obviously, I was raised um, like I and I, but I would also say like my mother is a witch, so it doesn't. It makes sense. I mean, we mm-hmm. were raised in like a Catholic Christian like commun like culturally that's what we are but i like i think my mother was also like never really <laughs> believed it she was kind of like uh we got to do this for public consumption but let's not you know yeah. it's fine like any good witch yeah so um but then she would she also would you know do a lot of kind of witchy things and stuff and like she texted me today cuz i was trying to find a cinnamon broom 
and I couldn't anywhere. Nobody sells them anymore. And so then she find she found, <laughs> so she found me a cinnamon broom. And so she was texting me that she had found some and did I want one, but she accidentally called it a pumpkin spice broom. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, ma, a pumpkin spice broom. I'm like, what is that? Like nutmeg? <laughs> and she was like, no, cinnamon. I got confused. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the thing is, it's like, it's like anything to do with somebody's personal beliefs. I think it's like ends up being kind of a loaded term. Yes. I think it means a lot of different things to different people. So sort of having it be a blanket statement out there for people where I'm not able to clarify it. I think that's the, the part that maybe I'm uncomfortable with. Because it is, um, which is such a all-encompassing word. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it really denotes a ton of different things. And so there's definitely aspects of it that, like, I don't identify with it. Or there's aspects of uh, that are closed practices that I don't agree with. Or not that I don't agree with, I don't participate in because they're closed. So, yeah, it's, it's, I do think it's very personal. And I think women throughout history having these these personal little rituals and things like that has been pretty interwoven. And I think it's like a much more common experience than I think people realize. So, yeah. Anyway, that was very long winded, but yeah. Well, I asked. I know. (laughs) So I guess, yes, in the simplest terms, yes. But right. So I'll just edit that down. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And just get rid of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing you didn't want, which was just that without without any kind of explanation. Like, right. do you, do you, <laughs> would you say you're a witch? Cut, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's judge this cover. <laughs> Aaron, are you a witch? Yes. Let's judge this cover. <laughs> there you go. That's what you're going to do to me. I do always put my like reputation in your hands with you editing these things because you could definitely make me seem like a very different person if you wanted to. All right. Anyway, so let's judge this cover. Which please, Anna Aguirre. I love it. You love it. It's a cartoon cover, though. I know. And for some reason, these modern witch stories that they are all cartoon covers, I'm like oddly fine with. Well, because do you think what it's doing is it is, I don't want to say put a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, let me let me ask the. This is what I'm trying to say. Are they trying to catch our kids? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm only kidding. No, but uh, <laughs> you were genuinely like, is he so, is he really, is he really mean that? No, uh, what I mean is that it, witches have been historically looked at, at in like in a weird way and like as predatory or ugly or all these different mm-hmm. things. And I think this is definitely being like, witches are people in a very simplified way, right? Yes. Well, yeah, kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's like with witches, it's like either you're very, very dark or this super, super light. And I think, yeah, this version of a witch is like a pretty light book. And so having it be a cartoon cover, I think is like less of a statement than with other books. And it's a cute cartoon cover because it's just it's Danica in a black dress holding her grimoire. There's like sparkles going across her and then we see Titus like looking the other direction in the back. I I, think it does a good job of sort of communicating what the book is about. It does. but The way Titus is standing is pretty stiff and and, and 
odd that it almost does remind me of the end of Blair Witch where they're just standing against the wall. Oh, geez. All right. It, it is weird. I mean, I don't love it. Okay. I don't love it. And it, Fair. You know, not to be, not to use a derogatory term at this point, but it has a chick lit look to it. Yeah. It very much looks like it could be Confessions of a Shopaholic or Lipstick Jungle or something like that. Right. Right. And this is, there are like sex scenes in this book too. Yeah. But so I, I don't hate it. I just don't necessarily love it. Mm-hmm. Well, what was this book about? This book was about Danica Waterhouse, who is a witch. Who meets Titus, who is a baker and owner of Sugar Daddy's Bakery. He's also a virgin, an older virgin, which is refreshing. And they fall in love, despite the fact that he is a mundane. And she's continuously trying to cast spells to keep them apart. But they find a way to stay together. So, I mean, that's a very basic, mm-hmm. basic idea of it. There's a lot about her family in this. Because mm-hmm. I definitely think, like, and we, I don't think, I know, this is becoming a series. So you're going to get some books with this extended family. Right. And I feel like the next book is definitely going to be Clem and the Witch Hunter. Oh, Yes. Because that was, like, never really resolved, and it just felt like, okay, so book two is whatever the two of them are up to on the side. Oh, and then, okay, so the other thing that is important is that Danica runs a store or is part of a store called Fix It Witches, where they fix appliances with magic. Mm -hmm. So she fixes Titus's... Uh, oven with her, just her hand. Yeah. And a spell. It's practical magic, if you will. Yeah. See what what I did, did you, what'd you think of it? I was lukewarm on this book. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I, hmm, how do I say this? It, it never really caught me i never really got my hooks into either one of these characters Mm -hmm. like i usually really like Anne's sense of humor Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of grown worthy jokes in here between the two of them and i know that was their personalities like here i'm gonna say a i'm gonna say a, a a awkward joke because it is awkward and we know it is but I, I'm just not a fan of that. Right. So I never really got got too invested in the two of them. And then also, like, there was a lot of family stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a lot about Graham. And I know I know she's trying to fill out. That's how these series are. They try to fill out the whole family. But, like, I just, I just never connected with really anybody in this book. Yeah. In a significant way. What, what did you think? I really loved it a lot. I liked it a lot. I think I, I think part of the problem sometimes with these witch books is that them being a witch or the obstacle 
doesn't really have to do with the magic. So it ends up just being like, oh, somebody has special powers, but they're just witches or they're being chased by somebody or something. And I thought this was really great because it was like a small town love story where the big obstacle was her being a witch and him not being a witch, but not in a sort of Darren Samantha way, in a way where he didn't want her to be a witch or anything like that. But it, it felt like the stakes were really there. Now, I will agree there was too much family. There was yeah. too much of her family and there was too much of his family. And I felt like it's very much love at first sight. Like they yes. see each other. He walks into her shop. She gets pina colada all over her because she's fixing a blender and it goes haywire. And they're both instantly sexually attracted to each other. And I, the dance of them started starting dating and everything like that. I liked it. I did feel like it just, everything went on a little too long. And there were Mm -hmm. multiple points in the book where I was like, where are we going? Yes. You know, like, what is the problem going to be like, okay, what, like, I guess we just end the book here. Well, just because I feel like in our other books, they are so fast and they are paced so well and everything kind of leads into each other. And there was too much that just had to do with their families that had nothing to do with the relationship. And so it's like, unless their families are a reason for them to be together or not to be together, I don't really care. And I get we're setting up the coven and I imagine the coven is going to be that's where most of the stories are going to come from. Fine. But I think there's a whole story with Titus's mother has passed away and his father immediately married somebody, marries someone else who's much younger and she's pregnant and she has two other kids and. I just never cared. And eventually his like stepsister ends up coming to live with him and his sister in St. Clair in the town they live in. That's all well and good. It had nothing to, it never impacted the relationship other than when he went to go pick up his stepsister. Um, Danica thinks that he has left the town for good. And so she chases him to find him. And that's sort of the big moment, um, like, she has the big grovel scene. He doesn't have the big grovel scene. And I think Anna Guire is really great at this, sort of flipping those tropes, doing something a little bit unexpected, which mm-hmm. I did really enjoy. But yeah, I think saying that this book is a bit long-winded is fair. It felt like a lot of padding. Yeah, and th- there, like you said, there was so many scenes of Titus talking to his sister, Maya, mm-hmm. about their father. And yeah, it did, I mean... Like, he, Titus as a character, is a virgin later in life. He also is always thinking that, you know, he can't seal the deal was his big Mm -hmm. thing. He had trouble sealing the deal. And, like, I don't know if that has to do with his father and the mother's situation. It doesn't feel like it does. So that wasn't really pertinent to his personality all that much. You know, but I do agree the stakes were high because if you are a witch and you marry a mundane and you tell them about you being a witch, you can get excommunicated. But yeah, they they, they'll lose their powers as well. Yeah, they'll lose. And so they have to sort of give up this like big piece of who they are in order to be with the person they love. Something that I did really like and find interesting was was Danica's grandmother 
Graham. Graham. And how she was, like, just kind of a bitch. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of times in these books, you expect the grandmother to be, like, this sweet, caring person. But she's kind of a bigot. She is a bigot. And she's cruel to her daughter because her daughter married somebody that she doesn't agree with. Mm -hmm. And we find out sort of a big spoiler is that you don't lose your powers when you date, when you marry a mundane, you can't tell them that you are an actual witch, but you know, at a certain point, Clem goes to visit her mother and is like, how are, how did you deal with losing your powers when you married dad? And she's kind of like, I didn't lose my powers. I still have them. I'm just like a different, she, She's like a green witch and Danica is like a tech witch, which is why she has the fix it witches. So she's like, well, I couldn't really teach you about your kind of magic because it's different than mine. But like, I still have my powers. I just tell him that I'm pagan. That's all he needs to know. (laughs) Which as being married to somebody who has absolutely no interest in anything like that. I'm like, yeah, I could just tell Pat I'm pagan. And he'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, Why do we have flowers in the shower? And I would say... Get over it. Then he'd just um, do the sign of the cross and be like, I'm good. <laughs> but anyway, so so she finds out that basically her grandma has been lying to her her entire life about what happens if she ends up with a mundane. And it's hard to not hear that much about bloodlines and the importance of bloodlines and not think of like racism, you know, the idea of like any sort of like whenever anyone brings up being of pure blood, it's, you know. Yes. Yeah, I mean, li- it all- you get a little yeah. bit like, uh, uh, this is not good for any reason. I don't know. Have you ever seen Cleopatra's family tree? Uh, no. It is quite thin and that siblings just married each other for generations. Oh, I thought it was some sort of movie. Oh, no, show. it's literally if you just Google uh, Cleopatra family tree, it's it's frightening. It's a stick. <laughs> it's a stick. It's a twig. <laughs> But anyway, so that, uh, you know, and I think that's really interesting because that is also something that I think people have been dealing with, kind of confronting this idea that the people in their lives who have been telling them something and they've been taking a face value for so long are bigots, are not good people, don't have the best intentions in mind. And that is really difficult to have to break away from. And, and I think it's something that you obviously you have to do I but it's not a simple thing to do and how easy it is to kind of just go along with it until you have a big reason to not which in Danica's ta- case was falling in love with Titus mm-hmm. um, made her kind of realize the things that her grandmother had been saying and doing were really messed up because um, I think it's like the amount of um, complacency that you find in a lot of family dynamics where Minerva is uh, Danica's mother and how cruel her mother was, Graham was to Minerva in front of Danica and Danica kind of just like accepting this as fact as this is the way it is as Graham being justified. But kind of once she's put in that position, she's like, no, this is really fucked up and you don't have the right to tell me who to love, which I thought was interesting and really great. And I think Anne Aguirre does an amazing job of having these kind of bigger conversations in unexpected places. I I mean, I don't think like uh, I think it could have been explored more a little bit. It was kind of just lightly touched on. But um I did like that aspect of it as well. Yeah. I 
I think one of my issues with this book, and it's not this book specifically, I think it's just in general, which I don't think, you know, actually bodes well for the next few books, (laughs) is that I don't really care very much about magic. (laughs) Right. So this would be something that you could have brought up (laughs) in September. Here's the thing. And Uh we always say this, and I always say this, is that this podcast, part of it is to broaden my horizons, to try and get into things that I don't necessarily like or would be my first choice. I mean, the fact that I'm a historical freak and it's all I want to read is crazy to me because I've said it previously, I don't like historical things usually in any other area, movies, Mm -hmm. TV shows. I'm just not into it. But something about the books really resonated with me. So I was going about this in an open-minded way in that, you know what, maybe I will be into magic. Maybe I'm just not allowing myself to find what it is about magic that other people enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I will say this is not anything against this book, obviously, because you really liked it. And I think she's a great author and a Mm -hmm. great writer. But... Never really interested in the magic. I I do like, like you said, that it was it was a reason for them to be apart. It was like a genuine reason to keep two characters apart, which in a contemporary is so difficult to find. So I do mm-hmm. applaud this book for that. But just in general, magic, it, it, I'm still having trouble with it interesting me. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's interesting too because... It was Strange Love that I think was the first, like, alien book we were both really obsessed with. Yes. In a way. And so I think it's like, if anybody could have converted you to a witch book, I think it would have been her. Yes. And I think this is just exemplary of how strongly you dislike witches. I don't dislike... Listen, that is a very strong statement, and I would not like to put that out here. You want to bring back burning. Stop it. (laughs) See, now you're... see. This, it, but th- you have no power now here because you're talking to the editor. So the editor's chip chopping <laughs> this all out. Oh, right, right. We could do this all day, but it ain't going to get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean. The, uh, the thing that gives me hope, though, is that we had read alien books before Strange Love mm-hmm. and didn't really like them. And I thought, well, I just don't like alien books. And then Strange Love came around, and I now am more open to alien books, or at least know that yes, there are alien books that I like. So that that just because right now I'm down on magic books doesn't right. mean that there's not going to be one that's going to knock my socks off, and maybe yes. it's going to be one of these three. Let's see. Hopefully, I hope so too. I always hope. I always hope. Yeah, I live on hope. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too. We always do go into every book wanting to love it. And then if we don't, it's always a disappointment to us as well. And I think books that we tend to not be as complimentary to, it's only because we had high expectations. It's never us going into anything and being like, oh, let's trash this book. 
Who yeah. is the time? And it's just bad energy. But the, so the final thing that I did love is that Titus is actually cursed in a way because, you know, when Clem goes to, ha- I mean, sorry, when uh, Danica goes to have that conversation with Minerva about, you know, she sort of resigned herself to giving up her powers and all these things. You also lose the community. And I think a lot of a lot of witches thrive on community. I think it's really, really important. And so to give that up is would be, I think, devastating to her as well. And so she tells her mother, like, you know, I'm in love with somebody and I am ready to kind of give it all up for him. You know, how did you do it for dad? And she's like, you know, whatever, I didn't have to give it up. And, you know, do you really love this person? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, was he a virgin when you met him? And Danica, like, figures out he was. And Minerva kind of admits that she, because she had been with somebody who cheated on her a lot, she put a spell on whoever her daughter's soulmate is to say that he could, would be unable to seal the deal with anyone but her. Yeah. Which is a little... That's not uh, fair. (laughs) it's a little manipulative and it's not great as as far as consent goes, but there is um, something that I did like about it. You know, I mean, poor Titus has, will never have any idea that this has happened to him, but. And also he's bisexual. Yeah. I really liked that. I think people were kind of saying, you know, I did read some reviews and stuff that were saying it felt very like tacked on. Like it wasn't, uh, like it's, I don't know what the criticisms of that were, but I, I really liked it a lot. And I also think it shows that kind of like being with somebody of the opposite general doesn't negate your bisexuality. Like you continue to be bisexual no matter who your partner is. And yeah, I really liked that aspect of it too. I thought that that was wonderful. I don't think we've had... Mm, no, that's not true. Because I think Minaj, I wouldn't even say those characters were bisexual. I would just say they're omnisexual. Well, in Strange Love, the heroine was bisexual. Oh, really? Oh, oh. Yeah. Why did I, how did I not even think of that? But I, I, yeah, no, nothing is coming to mind at the moment of like a, a bisexual hero. Hero. But I think it has to have happened. Oh, because, you know, in Strange Love, I think she she just kind of it's it isn't a huge deal. It's just kind of tossed off. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. It's just kind of like that because then she's having sex with an alien. So it's. Yeah. Right. But okay, Yeah. Oh, so I guess this is something that Anne Anne does a lot. But I think it's good. I think it does a lot for like sort of bisexual visibility. And like, obviously, if you are bisexual and reading this uh, and read this book and you felt a certain way, like that's obviously like a valid way to feel. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> However you feel is fine. But I think, you know, there's something because obviously like in these books, we're not going to necessarily see a past partners on the page necessarily. He kind of talks about different experiences he's had in the past with men and with women. And I think that's kind of like the only way you can do it. Oh, red, white and royal blue. Um, one of the heroes was bisexual. Oh, that's that is right. Was. Yes, that's that's right. Absolutely. Forgot but, about that. You know, we've read we've read so yeah. many books. I know. But it's like in that instance too, like he was with a man, that doesn't negate him being a bisexual. It's just like that that's who he's partnered with. It doesn't now he's just gay. Like I think that's the thing 
there's a lot of issues that I think people have with bisexuality. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I liked that, that aspect of him too. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the big question is, would you fuck them? Uh, yes. I mean, he couldn't fuck me and that would be upsetting, but yes, I would be down for it. Yeah, that's very true. Cause he, yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I, I would. Yeah. I would. They I mean, both I, seemed super sexy. Yeah. She, they talked about her wanting to peg him. Fine. You don't see enough pegging in cozy books. No. Though I think it happens probably more, more often than is depicted in pop culture. Totally. Yeah. So Clay, oh, so Goodreads list. Not many, right? Because it just, no. yeah. It just came out. So it's on a ton of lists that are like anticipated books, anticipated books. I don't put those on because it's like, whatever. Um, so it is on the list, queer adult romance with illustrated covers. Yes. Illustrated covers is an interesting way to say that, but I guess it is. We just refer to them as cartoon covers. I guess that's a little dismissive. Right. But an illustrated cover can also be a painting too. And those are, so illustrated is a little, cartoon is really, I guess, a better definition of what these covers are. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, Books with virgin heroes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I'm sure it'll be on more lists coming soon. Yes. I mean, it really was a great book. And I think if you're not uh, hateful to all witches like Clayton. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're really going to screw me here. No, I'm joking. Clayton doesn't hate all witches. But I think if you are into witch books at all. I don't hate any witches. <laughs> I think if you're into witch books at all, you will really enjoy this one. This one is really, really well done. I think it's great for like the season, October. It's a, it, it really is a great book. And I think it's like with all of her books, it's kind of is doing quite a lot. And I think that you'll, if you're on the fence about reading it, I would say read it. It's really enjoyable. All right, Clayton, what are your tropes? Well, virgin hero, witch heroine, bi hero, big families, multiple breakups. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. <laughs> what are your tropes, Erin? Uh, so my tropes are uh, witch heroine, big hero, like physically they talk, she talks a lot about him being large. Um, redheaded heroine, baker hero, bi hero, small town romance, family curse, instant chemistry. I mean, they fall in love immediately, like faded mates, pretty much. Star-crossed, uh-huh. because they are from, like, families that can't be together. Breakups, breaking up for your own good. She constantly is trying to dump him because she thinks it'll ultimately be better for him. Yes. Uh, and then bad grams, because she's a bad gram. All right, Clay, what is you swooning this week? Well, I'm swooning about a film series that is, I think, could possibly be one of my favorite film series of all time. And it's so weird because, like I said before, I'm not a big horror guy. But I've been rewatching all the Scream films Mm -hmm. because there's a new Scream coming out in January. And I know it should be coming out now i don't know why it's not but the trailer supposedly is uh should be out as of yesterday 
and very anticipating it because I know there's murder and not a lot of gore. There's there's some gore, especially the fourth movie has a good amount of gore to it. But I'll put these movies on just to relax because I just really like these characters. There's something really... There's just something about that world that I really enjoy, even though I will say the third movie is not great. It is underrated in a way, because it's not as bad as everybody says. Fourth movie is also underrated. But the first two definitely are are both like great, great films. And so it's I'll just occasionally revisit them, even if it's not October or Halloween season. But... Something about Scream just gives me those warm, warm fuzzies, and I don't know why, but that's what I'm swooning about. Nice. So, Aaron, what are what has you swooning? Okay, yeah. So I am swooning about an app, and it's the New York Times cooking app. And I am somebody who has only like really gotten into cooking like recently, or the past few years. And it's an app that I go to constantly. And you have to pay for it. And I think it's like $5 a month or something. It's definitely worth it to me because you can search for recipes and then like save them. And it just is like the most like user friendly and like super easy thing to make. Like I uh, the other weekend I made chili. We've been over this before. And I made um, and I was like, oh, I really want to make cornbread. I've never made cornbread. And so it was like super easy to like find an easy recipe to follow on the app and I made cornbread and it turned out really good. If I do say so I will, I will uh, second that emotion. I ate a ton of it. (laughs) And then when we were like, I snuck out and had another piece when nobody was looking. Ooh. All right. Great. And I don't know. I think finding recipes online can sometimes be difficult because I don't know, there's a lot of blogs and you have to sift through a lot to get to them. And I feel like this it's just like everything is organized really nicely. It's really easy to follow. Also, you know that all of the creators are being compensated for the recipes. And that's something that's also obviously very important and why I don't mind spending a little bit of money for it. So I love the New York Times cooking app, especially now as we're getting into the holidays. I think it's a really fun thing to download and then kind of like look through um, if you're if you are somebody who has to cook a lot for the holidays. It's really fun. So Aaron, where can they find us? So um, you guys have been doing a great job of rating, reviewing, and following us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. Um, So if you do have a chance to do that, we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, We have a Patreon. We went over it at the beginning of the episode. But if you go to patreon.com and just search Learning the Tropes, we'll come up. Um, We have an exclusive RSS feed for our patrons. So you'll get some extra content from us. Um, Oh, and real quick on that. Sorry, I don't uh want to interrupt. But... If anybody's having trouble with that, like if they don't are having trouble downloading the episodes or want to add the the RSS feed to their Apple podcasts, just s- drop a note on the Patreon. Just send us a message, and I'll try to walk you through it. If I I, I can't I can't say that I could tell you how to do it on some of the other. Um, ways of listening uh i don't think it's available to do on spotify maybe i don't know maybe i'll look into it if somebody has an issue and that's how they want to listen but i'll try to figure it out because i you know i want the patrons to be able to listen to the episodes because otherwise what's the point right so Mm -hmm. if you are having technical issues i will try to help you if i can 
Yes. Yeah, so reach out to... Clayton is in charge of the Patreon, so if you do message the Patreon, you're getting Clayton. Uh, You can also email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. If you're having Patreon issues, we can... I'll send it to Clayton and he'll try to walk you through it. Um, Or if you have book suggestions or feedback or anything, you can always just check us out there. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop that you can join as well. And then finally, we have merch and it is linked below. And TikTok. And TikTok. (laughs) And he runs our TikTok, so. Yes. Whew. That's everything. That's if you need to find us, chances are you're on a platform. You're going to be able to find us there. And so next week we are reading the X hex by Aaron Sterling. So if you want to read along with us, go grab that, check it out. And uh, we will, we will see you then. Happy reading. Spooky reading. <laughs>